The Evening Brothers are proud to present Twinkie Talk. Preston, I have a radical idea. I think you should intro us this time because you <gasps> this is your movie. Us? <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> is that going to be in Preston, the thing now? Preston, like whoever, Preston, whoever Preston, is, Preston. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. You have to intro it oh, if it's okay. your movie. Okay. So good luck. Perfect. Do you remember well, what to say? Now there's, Do you know there's what this show is called? pressure not to screw it up. Uh, welcome to the Twinkie Talk, hosted by the Evening Brothers. Uh, I it was am so Bo close. Preston. So, so close. So close. We're going to just, I'll fix it in post. I'm Brother Lincoln. I am Brother John. Don't fix it in post. Don't you dare. <laughs> wait, how, wait, what, what did I mess up? Well, it's oh, Twinkie you, Talk. And yeah, remember that scene when, um, right, isn't that what I said? The one guy in the social network says to stop calling it the Facebook and start calling it Facebook. Well, like, like basically that happened before we even started this podcast. It was just called Twinkie Talk. Yeah, it's oh. it's Twinkie Talk. It's not the the Twinkie Talk. It's like a Wait, grand lobby. Like if you did you been on the YouTube's recently? It's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. We'll move on. Preston, no, keep going. This is Tell Twinkie? us about the movie. Wait. <laughs> oh, it's just also, called Twinkie Talk. Whatever. Have we do we matter. have we officially landed on the first ever uh, cinematic punishment podcast by three white guys? I think we just like. <laughs> We mention it with increasing levels of ironic detachment every time. Cool. So I think I think we're like nailing it right now. Okay, thanks. I feel like yeah, I feel like it gets brought up like that enough that Everybody it's almost knows. better than like I don't know. Than a, tag, a tagline. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Preston, tell us. Um. So this week, two weeks, whatever. Uh, we watched Wanted. A uh, film from 2008. And boy, you feel it. <laughs> like every movie we watched, it, it really wears its its decade and year on its sleeve. <laughs> it is it is peak peak 2000s action for sure. I uh, so so I, I picked this movie because I feel like I, I remember watching it at some point and being like, man, that was like a pretty great movie. And then thinking about it now and being like, wow, I don't know why I liked that. That was probably a really terrible movie. And then watching it and it being kind of somewhere in between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like this is kind of the, the second real steel situation where it's, it's a movie that we all kind of liked. We all walked away right. from saying, was it actually that bad? Are we going to be able to like really Except make fun for Lincoln. of this? Lincoln hated real steel. Yeah. Well, maybe you didn't hate it. You definitely had it out for real steel. <laughs> yeah. I just hate Hugh Jackman. You know it. <laughs> I was so prepared for this movie. Like I was so concerned all the way through this movie that some shoe was going to drop where it got bad, like really bad. <laughs> I've been trained by all of us to expect a movie that starts and I'm like, hey, this is pretty good. And then it just like goes really bad really quick. It didn't. I felt it it, that that was almost worse than if it had gotten bad because like I was so scared the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I was kind of that way, too. I was watching it, waiting for it to get bad. And then it never really got there. Yeah, I think there there's nice little sprinkles of badness that we're going to have, I think, plenty to mm. talk about. Oh, yeah. But overall, it was a movie that was, like, executed pretty well. It had a great cast. It was written okay. The writing is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Serviceable. Yeah, and the action's really fun. It's, like, well... The action is fun. Well done. Well choreographed. And there's some, like, really good VFX work, too. Yeah. I think because it's so, like, stylized that like kind of hides some of the issues and crimes and stuff like that and kind of 
smooths the whole thing over a little bit. Much oh, like our yeah, brains sure. from all the bad <laughs> when movies. When we watch this movie. <laughs> we, we've been so smoothed over that we're like, you know what? Wanted pretty good. <laughs> Wanted pretty good. <laughs> what happens in the movie? Well, per, well, yeah, 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 talk guess, us through it. I guess we can go right into it. Um, so the, it opens with uh, a, a narration and also a really nice typed text intro as oh, well. Oh, yeah, it, the font is Agency FB. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, li- it's one step above... Um, whatever Helvetica in Constantine. Yeah. So they actually had to click down the drop down menu to get to this font. So like you already know more which makes was you, put into this movie. It makes you know it was a, a choice, which could yeah, be good, yeah. could be bad. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I mean it was definitely a choice. Especially it's the, very the like text book intro. report from seventh grade energy <laughs> is the text intro. Sure. It's really like the text intro and the narration for me. It's like and the whole text intro gets covered later so much better <laughs> like the text like the text didn't really need to be there i actually forgot that there was text until you guys started talking about it so yeah you were very <laughs> right did not need it yeah yeah there's yeah multiple good scenes where they explain everything and uh Preston, i'm so sorry we have to stop because we have homework we had homework and oh, I, that's right none of us remember to talk about it oh we did have well i feel like that could come up halfway through yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's a halfway okay. through thing. okay we can keep that's going a halfway through thing I'll, uh, I'll, I'll trust you then. I'll leave it let, to you to bring yeah, it back up. Yeah, come on. Let, Logan, this is my episode. Let me run my Let episode. the teacher <laughs> teach. I'm so sorry. <laughs> He's the man who gave us the homework. He can tell us what stipulates the usage of the homework. <laughs> yeah, come on, Lincoln. Okay. You're, Actually, you're, you know what? For that, get out of the podcast. It's just pressing <laughs> me now. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know how well that would... <laughs> Really, really bad. I didn't know it bringing really up bad. the structure of our podcast was a fireable offense, but <laughs> it's good to know. I, I sent you the list, okay? <laughs> if one of us go, we all have to go. <laughs> you really thought I'd read all the way through that list? All the way through the three bullets. All the bylaws? List, the three bullets list, two of which are don't eat too many Cheez-Its. That's really your problem. <laughs> Anyways, so we have a, a, a text intro. I mean, I think from there, it's like right into introducing Wesley and his office job. And I feel like it, it really tries to, like, lean into, like, a Fight Club-esque. Oh, yeah. Like, super, oh, yeah. super dark, like, kind of thing. And I think but that's, like, like... But, like, misreading Fight Club. 100%. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's totally. That is a key piece of this movie to me, is someone who <laughs> saw Fight Club and went, dang, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. What if it had more guns? And I think that's, like, the number one thing that makes this movie kind of terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there's this this very weird sort of current running through it of like you know especially of not understanding what Fight Club is what the fuck fuck have you done lately yeah and it's just this really weird sort of undercurrent that I don't know is really that effective I would say no it confuses (laughs) the themes of the movie for sure yeah because I feel like the movie gets so close to like criticizing this idea of a revenge fantasy. But the ending is like, oh, no, don't worry. Don't worry. Revenge is okay. He still shoots a guy directly between the eyes. Don't worry. It's okay. Yeah. Did you guys like I feel like in in talking about Fight Club with this movie, Wesley is such a shithead the whole time. Like he is. He's a regular Shia LaBeouf in Transformers. Like they're the same character. A hundred percent. He's the worst guy possible. And like Fight Club has the decency to point it out in subtext. (laughs) This movie does not because I don't think it knows. (laughs) <laughs> no the only way that well the you know that it doesn't know because they have someone worse than him they have chris Platt, pratt playing a worse person oh yeah he sure does <laughs> which 
Also, just how refreshing was it to see Chris Pratt playing an actual character? Being like a oh. like an actor? Yeah, it was it was yeah. wonderful. <laughs> it was like, whoa, this this man is acting. I can't, I forgot that he could act. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, my so my first three notes in order for this movie are classic text <laughs> intro, uh, Chris Pratt, and then aiming for fight club angst and failing. Mine <laughs> says, I think I saw Chris Pratt. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, I got I have Chris Pratt jump scare written on there. Oh yeah, did you see him like standing by the table? You're yeah. Like, Whoa, is that Chris Pratt? It was like it was like if you guys I don't know if you've seen the movie It, but there's a scene in a library where you're like, what's in the back? And it turns out it's like the clown, the evil clown, but they don't ever mm-hmm. talk about it. It's like that where you're like, I think I I know that guy, and it's just like Star Lord. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> and the fact that it was made before he was famous means that the movie is not like trying to draw your attention to the fact that he's Chris Pratt. He's no. just. He's just an actor in this movie. Happens to be and you know there. what? He's doing a good job. <laughs> he is doing a good job. <laughs> I will say he he plays a, a real uh, shithead of a character and he does it pretty well. All of my favorite Chris Pratt roles are when he's a really terrible guy. <laughs> True. <laughs> Truth. Like the beginning of Parks and Rec is peak Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah. For sure. I feel like sure. all of all of the Guardians movies, he's just like kind of the worst guy in the best possible way. <laughs> But also the movie is like actually trying to pull him through a character change because of it. It's not. So let's uh, maybe we should talk about James McAvoy now. Which oh, yeah, also uh, he's a gr- another actor I really admire and, and like his work a lot. Not as much in this one. I didn't think. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much of it was his fault. I think he's doing a good job with what he was given. Some of the time. <laughs> I'm sure we'll <laughs> okay, get I to guess, some of it. I guess we'll get to it. <laughs> 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 Thank you for being so polite, John. I was really, that was a lot of really easy talking me back down out of my out of my uh Get in and lincoln there. lincoln i know you well enough to know that you are going to make plenty of statements on this podcast that you were not going to be able to walk back from so just seems like i should I, I should give you this one every once in a while so we much. need to let you have a win or, <laughs> or you'll leave or maybe i really exactly. will quit yeah <laughs> um so yeah we get a we get a good uh intro on wesley and Wes- what is it wesley gibbons gibson yeah. i think his middle name oh, is wesley Alan gibson even. wesley Allen gibson wow um, that is some deep knowledge and then we I get that, John. thrown Don't into uh, an action set piece of our one of our protagonists or our is technically the antagonist of the movie the antagonist of the movie but not the villain right Ex- yeah yeah yeah, 100%. yeah that is the exact right way to put it um and we get our first intro to um the fraternity beyond the text intro i feel like this scene does a way better well does kind of a better job but it introduces sort of what the fraternity is and who's in it and what wait they which can do. which scene are you talking about it's the one that ends with him getting shot in the head with he's like standing on the okay. x the first yeah, yeah. okay i just i scene. just wasn't sure if we had moved on past that yet oh i hope not no no no! absolutely <laughs> not this scene is the first example of my favorite part of this movie which is the best jumping through glass shots oh, ever it's so <laughs> great i don't They're i so hope fun. you're not being ironic because that no i am uh, dead serious that is probably my favorite part of these movies this movie <laughs> inject that shit directly into my veins it's beautiful <laughs> The glass, like holding the shape of the person oh. that jumps through it, and like peeling off, like a like Michael Phelps pulling out of the water. It's it's so good, and it's such a great like 
like climax to the moment of him like building up as as the camera does its like weird dolly zoom thing as he's looking at. Yeah. Oh, my it's note so says good. nice weird kind of dolly zoom thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I could. I mean, if you made, I, I kid you not, if you made a three hour the Batman long movie about just then it's just a bunch of guys jumping through glass over stuff and curving bullets. <laughs> I'd watch it multiple times. And in a lot of ways, I feel like this is a great scene to sort of introduce, like, the action and, like, the style of the movie. Um, yeah. Because so far, I mean, well, it's the first action piece, and it sort of introduces that, like, you know, sort of the, like, little bit of, like, superhuman, superhero kind of stuff. The weird dolly zoom thing, a thing that kind of continues throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, um, he's, like, charging up his special powers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love that, that like, it's, it's the sensation of, like, a spring, like, pulling and then releasing. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it makes absolutely no sense, but no, zero. I still love it. Don't worry about it. It's like the flash. doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I, I interpret it more as, like, it's that, like, tunnel vision, like, hyper-focus, like, which I feel like, I think I, I sort of remembered that as be thinking think remembering that thinking like oh that was like super tacky or terrible and then actually seeing it and that actually like kind of works and just like kind of adds to the mythology of the fraternity <laughs> which is such a dumb name right it's the oh, it's fraternity ter- it really is terrible. could we have come up with anything else i know it's come based on a comic but right like now. anything else they could have called it the company yeah that would have worked or like or the like, gun boys the or the weavers of fate oh Shoot. Destiny's threads. Just threads. Threads. Thread threados. The th- the threadheads. <laughs> threadheads. <laughs> Red thread like, redemption. I mean, <laughs> Posing a thread. <laughs> leaned into the mythology and just like the fates. Like, yeah, really the fate would the, be good. The, like, you know, threads of fate kind of anyway. Fate of the Furious. <laughs> There's, <Ooh>. one. <laughs> There's one. There's <laughs> one. <laughs> Tokyo drift, perhaps. <laughs> Tokyo drifting bullets. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we didn't ever see a bullet drift. That would be cool to see it like, <laughs> like turn and go around a corner at the same time. Oh, and then, that like, would be cool. gain some momentum and, and head it does around. One of these. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does one of these and just reverses direction. <laughs> yeah. Well, it hits the handbrake is what it does. <laughs> There's a little man in every bullet. Did you not know that? That was part of the lore of this movie. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> like, I, I did not. I did not pick up on that. I had no yeah, idea. there's just a just a little guy driving every bullet. Yeah, that's how they get those like story and thematically appropriate catchphrases. They have to whisper to the gun of like, hey, this is going to be really pivotal. You better think of something cool to put on the outside of this bullet. <laughs> Which as much as I, I hate to say it, I keep coming up with more reasons why this scene and this movie are good. Because this first scene also introduces the curving bullets. That's where we see that oh, for the yeah. first time. And that's like a sort of important thing through the rest of the movie. And the glass thing is kind of, it gets echoed when they're like coming out of the, what they call it, like the healing room or whatever. Like coming out of the wax. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I didn't oh, realize wow. that until like just now. Um, oh, shoot. I don't know if that was Preston. intentional, but... Preston, that was the smartest thing I've ever heard maybe anyone say. That's, yeah, I don't even know if we can true. publish this podcast because we're coming up with so much smart shit over and over again. <laughs> right. No, no, this well, is just the outlier. No, I'm not I'm not making fun of you. That's like, I did not pick up on that at all, but no, you're, yeah, that's you're a, very right. I'm making a joke that we're usually not this smart. Yeah, <laughs> and we well, are, right. we are so... 
I would and, say and collectively, we're, saying, we're still not that smart. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan and I got dumber to make up for it. <laughs> yeah. We're also saying way too many nice things about this movie so far. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of bad stuff to say. Don't worry. There's which. Oh yeah, we're, we'll hey, get to well, it. Well, let's let's get into the next scene then. Well, I want to talk about oh. him pulling out a shotgun while he's in midair. What about it? It just. I don't know. Just the fact that you never see the shotgun beforehand. There's like no indicator that there could possibly be a shotgun under his coat. That's what's and so- he has enough time as he's flying through the air to pull one out, aim it and fire it without before he even lands. That's I just, I don't so, know. I love it. That's what's so good about shotguns is how uh, hideable they are. <laughs> that's why they had to put like open carry laws out there because everybody was like putting shotguns in their socks and whatnot. <laughs> Wait, wait, do you think open carry laws mean like you have to show us your shotguns all the time? <laughs> Can I tell you? I'm not totally sure. Is that a fair thing to say that I really truly don't know? You know, that. Uh, now that I think about it, I think that is a good enough summation of what an open carry laws point is. They don't the, want people to hide their shotguns. The closest thing I've ever owned to a shotgun is uh, the game. Uh, the, the game. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of the game now. Lincoln <laughs> cut some of this out. Hold on, what's the one with the shotguns and the zombies? Every Resident Evil video game ever. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna take a completely fresh take on that. The only thing, the closest, fuck, one more time. The closest <laughs> thing. Three, let's go. Goddamn, the closest thing I've had to owning a shotgun is okay, guys. Hang on, I need you to laugh really hard when I say this. Oh it's yeah, be really don't worry. Hard. Okay, we're gonna laugh so hard. The closest this thing. Was such a- the closest, Just the anticipation. Fucking Lincoln. <laughs> the closest thing I've had. I love this to, joke. The closest <laughs> thing that I've ever owned to it. The closest thing I've ever owned to a shotgun is the game Resident Evil. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't breathe. <laughs> Just swing and a miss on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was a swing and 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 a miss. (laughs) 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 Preston, save me from myself. What what's in this movie? All right, all right. (laughs) Uh, So then we get to meet, or I would say, our other. I would say protagonist. I feel like she's a protagonist in sort of a roundabout way. I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That was <laughs> totally unintentional, but I'm 100% going to take credit for that. It was very good. You, were, you, you should. You were saying so many smart things. But, yeah, we get to meet Fox, uh, Angel- played by Angelina Jolie. I want you guys to know. Uh, never mind. Well, never mind. Well, no, hold on. Whoa. No, because if you don't say what? it, it's going to sound much worse than you so, think it is. Well, so in the last one... Where you guys kept making fun of me for mixing up somebody else's last name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you just want to know that you got it right. Right, right, yeah. Made sure. Oh, I see. Let's have, let's have a round of applause. <laughs> I was prepared. Anyway, yeah, yeah, all right. He did it. Yay. Yeah, yeah, you, you Preston. Keep your pity. He made it happen. claps to yourself. We get to meet, meet Fox, and we have another uh, shootout action scene um, starting in a pharmacy, corner store, whatever you want to call it, and then leading into a... Very mediocre high-speed chase on the... Well, I don't know if it's highly mediocre. It's pretty mediocre. You know though. what? I have a hot take on this one. Ooh. It's, it's very... Yeah. It's a really solid scene, except 
James McAvoy sounds like Morty the entire time. <laughs> he's just always like, oh, oh, geez, Fox, we got to get out of here. No, what are you doing? Oh, no. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah, I really, I don't like his complaining throughout this whole, this is when I pointed out how similar he is to Shia LaBeouf. Just like this, he like sure. kind of nothing man who's, who's just needlessly like, terrible to everybody he sure is and who's getting like dragged through this incredibly stressful moment and can't think of anything like better to do than just like whine and complain about it the whole time he's got nothing which is fair and yes it is annoying but at the same time it's like kind of the right thing for his character and his character arc though i would agree with you if he got better by the end of the movie and wasn't the worst person i've ever seen on a film oh he never i mean he doesn't get better he just, he just gets, he gets more, get more confident, more competent. In himself. yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was just, can I, can I jump back to the corner store, the like, for just a second? Because yeah, there's, yeah. did you guys notice, and this could be another Blade Boner situation, so it's, but it's, <laughs> could this be, do, did you notice <laughs> that can there's. We, can, that, can that be a thing? Just, oh, Blade just, Boner alert. Here we uh, go. Just a, a blade, real Blade Boner moment. So You need did, a button. <laughs> did you notice <laughs> Did you notice the uh, signs that they had? Because they had, like, they focused in on little signs, and it was like, last chance. And you're like, oh, that's clever. Cause he's, and one of them's like, don't miss. And you're like, oh, that's good. One of them says egg store, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> what? <laughs> and they give it the exact same reverence that all the other signs have. <laughs> Why? What is that? I, I did not notice that. I also noticed that. I don't know yes. if I like noticed, noticed it. I just sort of saw, I just sort of like let it be. Okay. But That's probably what they were going for too. I bet. Probably. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to derail. I know we're talking about the car chase, but I realized if I missed that, oh. I'd never say it. Yeah. You're oh, good. You're fine. Oh, I have two things to point out about. Actually, I have, I have three things to point out about car chase. One was that Angelina Jolie's character has the same windshield budget as Blade. <laughs> so true. she's also very cavalier about just knocking the windshield right off the car. Two, I like how the car chase, when it's clear that it's from James McAvoy's, or what's his name, Wesley's, Wesley's perspective, it's all jittery and, like, disorienting. And then when uh, Fox takes over and is, like, more in control, then the camera smooths out and it becomes a lot more focused and, like more direct of what it's trying to show mm. to show like the, the camera is reflecting each person's outlook on the situation. That is cool. I had not noticed that. I didn't either. It's almost like they thought about this movie when they made it. I know this is so strange that we're watching a movie that people thought about <laughs> <laughs> on, on that car chase is, has someone saying something in slow motion ever been funny? Do you think? I've I never thought it was funny. I don't think so either. I think that is the number one issue with this movie is the slow motion. <laughs> like, the slow motion talking? Yeah. Well, the slow motion outside of like the bullets hitting one another and like the bullets curving, everything else garbage. Bad children's animated movies really co-opted that strategy of slowing down the action and then having someone slow motion say something. Yeah. And it it feels like it works much better in a medium where it's supposed to be like just a joke with no sense of seriousness to it at all. Yeah, it should be just a big dumb thing. I don't know. I, I feel like the same way with um, in the the chase scene, the the van that cross steals. I feel like they really lean into the the fact that it's like cat food. It's like a pet food delivery, and there's like all the pets like across the dash. Yeah, I feel like they really lean into that just a little too much. Way too hard. 
for no and reason. It, it's not funny. Like, yeah. It, and it doesn't really pay off either. Yeah. And I feel like they could have, I mean, put him in a much cooler car and would have had, and the whole scene would have been just way more polished and would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, because you get to yeah, the point where you're like, this that. van is keeping up with this Maserati. I'm not sure what happened here. Yeah, I don't really know. Like, my Honda Accord is way faster than a delivery <laughs> van. So, like, I don't know how bad of a driver you'd have to be to, like, not have a, your supercar outpace of delivery, uh, a huge delivery van. Or how great a delivery driver you'd have to be. It's one of those two. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And that's, I think, like, my biggest, like, the whole scene especially like the point where it's like the driving is like kind of cool. And then it gets to the point where they're just sort of like running into the back of police cars for no reason. Yeah. Well, cause he said the thing about call the police and then she was like, well, this is a very good opportunity to just kind of ironically <laughs> hit a policeman. <laughs> Did you know that, that ironic crimes are still crimes? <laughs> what? Ironic crimes are that. still crimes. Yeah. I got to go make some calls. <laughs> <laughs> there was something about hearing the pina colada song come on on the in the car mm. that was like oh we didn't even know what we were in for when this movie came out like we had no <laughs> idea what sort of like pop culture content we were going to gain from playing this song over at various action set pieces it is kind of funny though that this is what the second franchise not even franchise second movie with chris pratt and the pina colada song I, there's something to that that i enjoy <laughs> It's like he was just born to be near that song. <laughs> well, it's in his contract. Yeah. He's in the movie. Yeah. You have to have <laughs> the Pina Colada song. You know, it's kind of crazy. It's actually the other way around. If you have the Pina Colada song, oh. he has to be in the movie. <laughs> you have to put Chris uh, Pratt in the movie. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's why he hasn't been good crazy. in any recent movies because there's no Pina Colada song. Yeah, it's like they're, they're like casting him for it, and all of a sudden he can't do it. He can't, he can't bring it. <laughs> I did love flipping the car over and hitting the bus on the side and then flipping the bus over and then driving over the top of it and landing on the road. Yeah. You know it was what? a level of like tomfoolery that, that I think modern action movies don't have enough of. I think you haven't watched enough fast and furious Lincoln. <laughs> Cause if you, <laughs> if you like true. that kind of tomfoolery, let me tell you, they are chock a block full of it. There's what? 10, 11 movies. If you count uh, Hobbs there, and are, Shaw? there are 11. If you count Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Thanks for acting all vague about it, Preston, and saying exactly the correct number. Yeah, oh, there's like, movies. I don't know, like 10 or 11 10 if you count the spinoff. <laughs> 12 if you count the Han prequel that most people don't know about. There's a Han it's a real prequel? Thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. It's, uh, really? I, I, don't remember, I don't remember what it's called. I'll find it for you. Also, there's a <laughs> shot of this movie where they, Fox and Wesley pull up in the car and then they're, pull up right next to this other car and the people in the other car look at her and then look at the car and then look back at her. And I was like, ah, filmmaking. This is like, this is like the frame is being used to convey a comedic point. This is great. <laughs> They're making a movie. Anyway. So then we get introduced to what is potentially one of the, the, the sort of cooler villain hideouts locations for your evil empire. Um, there's a giant, uh, still in progress textile mill. I do like that the textile mill is like a functional mill. I do too. I think that's cool. Right. Well, I mean, how else are you gonna, you know, have a legitimate business from? Yeah. How else are you gonna buy all the bullets? Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. I mean, have you have you seen their 
the healing room. How are you going to pay for the healing lo- room without your? I have room? so many, so many questions. I have a lot about of thoughts about room. the healing room. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll yeah. we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> One thing at a time. Oh. I like I like how you said that, and Lincoln and I both were like, I got a lot of things to say about that particular <laughs> collection of liquids. Interesting way to put so that. what about the textile mill, Preston? Well, it's just so we get to we get we go to the textile mill for the first time, um, and like Lincoln so so kindly reminded us, um, we get to meet Sloane, uh, played by Morgan Freeman, um, who I feel like is like one of the better characters in the movie. Well, maybe not better characters. What do you mean by better, better? Like more interesting? Maybe? I mean, I I also like Morgan Freeman. If that's what you mean. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of. He's one of those actors where he's he's very typecast, but I also am pretty much on board with the type that he's cast I, as. I have so no, like, no problem with it, and I'm fair. not entirely sure he can do anything else. Like, I have no reason to believe that mm. he's got other stuff yeah. in his belt, because why would he need to? <laughs> yeah, he plays it so well. Um, yeah, we get to it's, see... It's really like, when you have exposition to cover, you could either, like, have it be clunky, or you could, like spend a lot of time and effort and weave it into the narrative or you could just have Morgan Freeman <laughs> say it and it's like no one will question it. I don't even and mind. It doesn't matter. And that's why you don't need that text at the beginning because you just have Morgan Freeman read that text and his voice just takes care of the rest. Which he pretty oh, yeah. much does. Oh, I'm yeah, pretty I'm sure. Saying. Yeah, I mean between <laughs> yeah, is, this true. scene and then the Loom of Fate scene like explains all of that information so much quicker, better, yeah. less painfully. Uh, so the next thing that happens is Sloan, uh, Morgan Freeman forces Wesley to shoot some wings off flies. Uh, yeah, which, which I feel is, like is a, kind of a crazy demand to just make out of nowhere. Such but, right. an escalation, right? Like it, it goes from like <laughs> hold a gun to like do the most impossible thing with a gun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I probably would have had him shoot a target to make sure he could do that. Also, like they're on the second floor, so isn't. Like, where are the bullets going after he shoots those flies? I like to think that the people who work at the textile mill don't know what it is. And so every once in a while, they just kind of, like, get a shot in the shoulder. And they're like, that's, man, textiles are so intense. Part of work, you know, it's part of the hazard pay. Must have been a shuttle. Yeah. That's why the benefits are Must so good. Must have been good. one of our bullet shuttles. I guess we're making a red rug today. I didn't know that, but we've changed our minds. After he shoots the flies, Morgan Freeman hands them to, uh, to James McAvoy. And then for the next whole scene, he is holding the flies in his hand and the movie doesn't let you forget that he's still holding them. And like, if you've ever had to throw a dead fly into the trash or something, that feeling is like so visceral and disgusting to like have to hold a fly in your hand. Yeah. You hold onto that fly for as little time as possible. But he's just, he's just, he's like, I got a gun and I got some flies and we're going to have this discussion right now. Well, that's his next challenge, just to throw the flies in the air and then get all of them before they hit the ground. It's, it's part of the training. Uh, wait, wait, did that happen? No, that but it should have. It didn't happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. Also, was, wouldn't that be like... There's a couple moments I was looking down at my notes and I was making sure I didn't want... <laughs> I feel like that'd be easier than just shooting the fly wings too, right? Like that would be kind of a downgrade. I mean, fair enough, but... I'm not saying I wouldn't be into it. I'm just, you know... <laughs> Is this where we talk about homework? Where do we? Where do you want to do that? Sure, we can talk about the. Yeah, that's probably a decent segue. And talk about the homework. Um, so yeah, we have a, a working textile mill that's kind of the front for the whole thing. Um, and so the homework was to come up with what your fraternity of assassins, what your front organization would be. 
So why. I actually, I mean, I think it's more than a front. Like the fact that they're weavers is actually important to the story because the loom of destiny somehow weaves little mistakes into the, into the tapestry that show targets to get killed. Yeah. And they get decoded from binary to English, which is like a crazy good luck of coincidence that it's <laughs> two languages that we understand. Um, so in that spirit, I think that my fraternity of assassins would be a guild of what used to be, uh, fortune tellers and are now astronomers. And so they're like reading the stars to see who their next target was. And so they started out as like astrologers studying in those cool, like reflection pools. And then now they're like high profile, like space researchers, but it's, that's like the front. I got some questions. I think most notably (laughs) stars, stars say stay pretty much exactly the same all the time. Right. No, that's, yeah, that's, that, this is also an issue that I have. <laughs> so is I'm it, taking the is same leap like, of faith that the movie's taking. You're not, though, because the loom doesn't always stay the same. The loom makes mistakes. Are you saying that stars pop in and out all the time? Or are you saying that you get, like, every week it's just like, oh, it's Kevin James again. We have to kill Kevin James. <laughs> we still haven't. We still haven't done it. He keeps How making incredible Kevin mall cop James. movies. How many more John Smiths are there? Yeah, yeah, right. They're just like wiping out anyone with the name John Smith. No, I mean like like the ancient ancient people would read different things in the stars every time they read it. Mm-hmm. But now we're smart and we know that, was... that stars don't do different things. No, they they do tons of stars move around and they are influenced by gravity and there's nebulas and supernova and black holes and orbits and meteors and comets. There's so many things happening in space all the time. I'm pretty sure that's not and true. And planets. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty confident it probably not right Pro- stars stay about the same most of the time no so how would well, the stars move how a lot? ancient people have advanced enough technology to be looking at how did ancient people in this movie know about binary they made it they figured it out <laughs> right just because they were like I hate that Greg guy can we say this says Greg <laughs> <laughs> can we make sure this says Greg so wait are you is your opinion that they're not actually being told by fate or that they are? No, they are. It's just like, or they were at some <laughs> point, but not now. Now it's just Morgan Freeman choosing who to kill, <laughs> which when you think about it is just like a group of assassins, right? That just, it, it's, it, they make a whole moral thing of it. They're like, oh, it's not fate anymore. Now we're not allowed to kill. Like you were still killing people. It's the same still thing. Just killing people and just kind of trusting that it was the right decision. Yeah. Also, if if fate stopped telling you who to kill, but Morgan Freeman did start, is there like a big decrease in like <laughs> powerfulness or urgency of the request? It's almost the same. I hate to be the guy that brings Evan Almighty into this podcast again, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he is God. Yeah. So like, is it really that big of a difference? Well, Lincoln, your one's dumb, um, but mine <laughs> is, I think uh, my front would be an end credits production company so like that they make the end credits real for a movie and whoever the uh, best boy whoever the best boy grip is is the one that needs to die so so by what process are they finding out this information like well so they don't get the list of of people who like they they don't make the list they just get it right so fate oh, intervenes <laughs> and because best boy grip is nothing right so 
fate intervenes. There's no. What is this disrespect? It doesn't mean anything. You don't know who best. You don't know who best boy grip is. Not when there's best boy and grip separately, and then they're like best boy grip. No, it's nothing. That's what I'm saying. Fate (laughs) intervenes, and they're like best boy grip. Kill that guy. So it's like you could you could figure out who's next on the kill list by checking like IMDb. No, because that's well. No, no, no. Because that's what I'm saying. They weren't involved in the movie at all. It doesn't matter. It's just no. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, okay. so if you check IMDb before the credits of the movie come out, <laughs> well, they're and you find out who the best dead boy is. at that point because they get it and they go kill people. That's like probably months before the oh, movie and, comes and out. Then they release the movie. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm so sorry. How dare you? I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to question your amazing theory. It's okay. It just <laughs> far be it for me to criticize someone else's homework. <laughs> so somebody at some point in Hollywood yeah. is going to go say, "Hey, wait a second. Why, why can, why do all of these best boy grips keep disappearing? Well, that's the, that's the beauty of it is there is no best boy grip and no one, not even the people who make the movie watch the, the, the end credits closely enough to know. So they're just like, ah, look, man, I don't remember a Timothy, you know, Davis, but sure it could be. Well, Preston, what would happen is as soon as that director starts questioning why does the best boy grip always die he will he'll get a casting notice that he's been cast as a best boy grip in a movie oh that's oh, a good I idea so yeah he's like it's really the the casting people of hollywood that's running this whole deal well the, no, this is no, the beauty of it is there's there is no way for anyone to kind of take over that unless i guess you run that no it's the same never mind so it works even better it's the exact same <laughs> so is that is that what disney's trying to do right now is like if they own enough media then they could control who's the best boy grip on every movie <laughs> i would say so killed? yeah i think i think <laughs> disney's probably a lot less closeted about its nefarious activities but yeah (laughs) that's definitely one of them (laughs) conspiracy theories on we we found it yeah we have a separate we got it the whole other podcast now brought to you by the evening brothers it's a podcast within a podcast (laughs) i have a note that just says hey i remember that shot but i don't remember what shot i was looking at when i Oh, I do remember. It was when he gets sick of his job and he takes his keyboard with him and then he smashes the keyboard against someone's face. Uh, against Chris on. Pratt's face. Thank you. He smashes it on, on Mario himself. <laughs> <laughs> and my my favorite, I love that they really emphasize too in that moment, the fuck you and the you is one of his teeth. Sure is. Which, That's like how my hard do you got to hit a guy? This movie. Second Very part. on the nose. That is a great bit. Is that from something else, Lincoln? No, I just have seen it like as a meme. Like I've seen oh, it referenced okay, in other yeah, places. Yeah. I see. I actually, speaking of seeing things before, I watched the kind of opening, not opening scene, but I think the second or third scene where he does the big cool jump. I watched that on repeat so many times when I was like 12. I remember finding <laughs> that scene on YouTube and being like, cool, this is as cool as life can get. So <laughs> can we talk about the milk bath yet or what? Uh, sure. Yeah. Let's talk about his training montage. I was about to say, yeah. Let's, oh, I so forgot about that. Okay. The next thing that happens is we get thrown into a, uh, a very, dare I say, haphazard training montage. Oh, <laughs> um, um, yeah. Doesn't it kind of feel like this is the first time they've ever trained anyone? So they're like, what do you do? I just like <laughs> punch him real hard a lot. I don't Why know. are you here? Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. Later on in the movie, he says that he's been doing it for six weeks. It's a lot of weeks to get punched directly in the noggin. One, yes. And two, that is an incredible development of skill in that short of, of time. Maybe if you hit someone enough times, they become good at shooting. <laughs> I don't know. 
It just seems oh, okay. it seems possible to me. It's just a lot of negative reinforcement. <laughs> oh yeah, so much. <laughs> it's like we'll just punch you. We're not going to tell you what you need to learn. We're just going to punch you until you learn. We're going to punch the right, knowledge exactly. into your brain. Yeah, there's a very haphazard training montage um, where he gets punched a whole bunch. We see him do a little bit of shooting. It's the first time we see him like trying to curve bullets. Uh, there's also a whole lot of knife fighting. Which Ooh, so I want to point out something about the curve of the bullets because Morgan Freeman's character says, if you... I'm not going to do a Morgan Freeman impression. I wish you would. <laughs> no, no, no. I want, we want you to do one. Uh, if no one told you that bullets flew straight, what would you do? It's actually, that that's not bad. bad. That I'm not going to lie to you. That is one of the weirdest things ever because one, bullets don't fly straight right. because they, they curve because of gravity. And two, like... What does that even mean? <laughs> I, I actually do like, kind of love that energy. I also feel like that should have been applied a lot more in this movie. Like, like your imagination is the only limit, like Lego movies. Kind of, yeah. Like, or like the major, like if you, if you did, if no one told you that concrete was, was going to hit you real hard, if you jump off a building, what would you do? <laughs> All right, back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also want to talk about probably my favorite line in the entire movie is when he, gets hit by the concrete and then he like blacks out and wakes back up in the wax. Oh yeah. And then they go, they go, how do you feel? And he goes, I just, I just, I feel kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> like just the, like the slow bird of that line is, I loved it so much. I like laughed out loud when I heard it. That is pretty good. A little inside baseball, Preston's cutting in and out. Um, so now's a great time for us to talk about all the problems we might have with the bath. Cause I've got so many questions. I have so many questions oh, about yeah. this bath. Is it ice? Is it wax? Is it liquid? I think it's wax. What's happening? I think it's wax. It's wax that's the melting point is like low enough that you can safely bathe in it. Okay, except it's not, right? Because because it it's waxy on top, but it's like water underneath it at some No, points. what I think it is is that the, it's, it's, the wax melts first at the bottom and then it melts later at the top. So it's like, it's wax floating on wax, but they couldn't afford a better it looks so solution. watery. So it just, it just looks like water, but I think they're trying to go for it all being made of wax. How does wax heal all my cool scars and knife wounds? I have no clue. It's kind of magic. It's just like a magical force that the movie. There's, there's, there's a throwaway line where the, the Russian dude says something about it stimulates white blood cells. And yeah, some other, yeah. Some other is, bullshit, but are we supposed think, to believe which is exact, exactly the same thing it, as is it, your your cells healing? Is it just white blood cells? Is it just a bunch of blood that's white? Is white blood cells white? I don't know anything about science. Is something I'm learning on this particular podcast. Okay, well, white blood cells are white. Cool. They're they're immune cells, so they're the cells that are when there's something that has an immune response. I'm pretty sure they're the ones that go capture the germ and like kill it so it's so, they help protect against infection in your blood i guess really what i'm asking is do they seem kind of waxy if you let them sit no okay no not even a little all bit right. well one of us is a teacher <laughs> <laughs> another thing i do appreciate about this movie is how all business foxes the whole time like you see that um, uh, Wesley is like kind of into her, but she's the whole time she's just like, I'm just excited to teach this guy how to punch and kill things. <laughs> and like, I wouldn't even that's say what that I'm she's that excited. <laughs> like, I think I, she seems pretty enthusiastic about teaching him. She's, she seems to gain a certain amount of joy in, in giving him lessons and stuff. I mean, a little bit, but at the same time, 
the entire movie, she's just sort of like stands there like a brick wall. And it just like, like, I think her only direction was like, stand there and look serious. Yeah, it does. And she does a freaking great job. It it. does kind of feel like, yeah, her only direction was stand there, look serious, have a ass like and then and then (laughs) congratulations. (laughs) Stand there, look serious and sexy and call it a day. (laughs) Yeah, here's, here's your Oscar. Besides her, her deal with the ant, like, there's, like, two moments where she's really needed, and then the rest of it, she's just sort of, like, happens to be there, like, and doesn't really, I don't know, I think her character could have been much stronger and could have contributed a lot more. Oh, for sure, yeah. But she stands yeah, I mean, on that train I think with after him. the beginning, she kind of disappears. That's true. Like, once, once she starts training him, it feels like she kind of disappears from being important in the narrative. Yeah. Because it's like, anybody could be training him now and it's not like setting up any sort of relationship that needs to get paid off or they're not going to become like you know assassin partners in the movie that would be a cool i wish that happened though that would have been fun that would have been a fun ending like like he blocks the last part of the bullet and so she lives that and been. then they have to like refound the bro- the fraternity just the two of them oh man that would have been so cool he shoots a bullet with a bullet my favorite thing that happens in this movie yeah <laughs> And then, and then, and then he goes, he says something about like, maybe it will turn out to be bad to save someone's life from the, but what the fuck have you done today? <laughs> yeah. Like that. Something like that. <laughs> because the movie also, it does bring up a little bit of questioning. Like, is it, is it morally right to just obey the tapestry? And the movie like kind of glances at that ideology and then it's like, nope, nope, it's fine. Yeah. You should kill anybody that's on the tapestry. They really don't touch on a lot of the kind of moral questions they bring up. I want to talk about the magic wax a little bit more. Why wouldn't we? Because there's some, there's a few times where a character is in like a lot of physical danger and you're worried and the movie's trying to tell you that you need to be worried about the safe, their life and safety. And I just can't, if I know that there's magical wax that will heal all your wounds, not your death wounds, not wounds that kill you to death. (laughs) But like, like when, uh, when Fox stands in front of the target and is like, shoot the bullet around me. I was like, well, I wouldn't stress out too much because if I accidentally hit her, we could just put her in the wax real quick and fix it. I thought about that too, except he shoots directly at her head for some reason. <laughs> That's true. What's this level of the so target? He, I guess. You can curve bullets though. So couldn't he have just like shot towards her like middle and then hope that he curved it around <laughs> and up? Curve it up a little. <laughs> so the next thing that happens is we start to see Wesley actually taken on targets and then we have a little bit more of a um the moral discussion that's very half-assed and very vague (laughs) yeah um and not well done tell us about how they get their orders we kind of touched on it but we 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 should hear the whole rundown of like how the situation is is supposed to be you got the loom of fate that for thousands of years has been skipping stitches and you look at the skipped stitches and if it's vertical it's a one if it's a horizontal it's a zero or something and then it's binary that you then translate into a name. Can I share an interesting fact about this? Did you know that that is how the program memory was coded on the Apollo guidance computer that that guided the spacecraft as it went to the moon? Wow, I didn't know spacecrafts were d- with... guided by just a bunch of carpets. That's cool. No, so it was it was a metal it was metal wire that was fed the, through. The so language. they had to yeah. they had to do it all how by hand looms? actually. And did they tell them like? Did the loom tell them where to go? Was it like moon? <laughs> go to moon. Good luck. No, for no, controls, I'm saying you have just like it a was smaller, metal threads like, loom going in and out of 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 magnetic rings. Uh-huh. And so, if it skipped the magnetic ring, it was a zero, and if it went through the magnetic ring, it was a one. 
And they actually use that to code it so that when you run electric current through that ring, you can tell which parts of it went through and which parts of it didn't. Oh, wow. That is And they cool. use that to program in memory for a spaceship. That is cool. Did they bring the little handheld loom onto the spaceship <laughs> on the moon so that if they were like, can I go to the potty now? And then the loom would be like, no. <laughs> can I go to the potty now? When the, when the loom says no, it might be a no or it might be a not yet. You don't know. Instead of your magic eight ball, you just bust out your loom. Yeah, loom closes one door and opens another. Oh, nope. Okay, sorry, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't do the spacewalk. Uh. Loom said no. (laughs) The loom giveth and the loom taketh away. Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) Also, are they just, is it just a fully mechanical loom that they're counting on the random mistakes in the loom is what's creating the code? Right. Well, and the thing is, is they're taking like a six inch by six inch section and just sort of counting what's in that section. And it's like, are you, are you looking at the entire thing and, oh, there's a lot of this, this little section has a ton of mistakes. Let's look at this one. Cause they're very clearly not taking the entire thing. I mean, we don't, it, it, it kind of seems like the equivalent them. of like, of like looking at a cloud, like forecasting from a cloud. <laughs> like this cloud looks like, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's head. I need to go kill him. I need to go murder Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> I mean, we don't see them like not taking the whole loom, the whole the whole piece of weaving, right? Like, well, you see, so him, you see at the very end of the table, there's a roll where they're rolling all of this oh, fabric. That's true. Onto. Yeah. Well, are they are they do they start by looking for mistakes and then they cut them out once they find them? It's got to be something like that. But still. I think it's a more interesting idea than this movie deserves to like this idea of just creating a process that will, that will create random noise and then interpreting that random noise as this sign of the universe. Well, I think that's the weakest part of this movie is like the world building is like the circumstances in the world building are ridiculous and yet they don't lean in. But it doesn't actually want to like play in that space as much. Right. Yeah. Cause if, if it lived in that and if it was like, sorry, I got to go like kill Timothy Oliphant because the <laughs> loom said I had to like, how dare you? Don't you do that? <laughs> and, you know, you compare that to, well, I don't know, let's say John Wick, where the world building is just as oh, ridiculous. Let's, ju- let's just say John Wick, just for example, oh, <laughs> you know, as we're talking about, Not, about movies, about well, underground it's like, I feel guilds like it's a of fair assassins. Because like the world building is sort of ridiculous and far fetched and like, you know, oh, really yeah, leans yeah, yeah. into the mythology a lot, which I feel like this movie also tries to do, but it doesn't lean into yeah. it enough. This movie did walk so John Wick could like run and shoot and kill people and yeah. whatnot. Yeah, Lincoln, when you made that comparison earlier, I was I was a, a little angry, and then the more that I thought about it, the, the more you're right you were. <laughs> a little angry. What, that, that every movie we've reviewed so far has had something to do with John Wick? Like, John Wick has been responding to the movies that we've made, that we've watched so far? Well, that too, but, I mean, this movie especially, I feel like, is a very, like... I feel like it's in the same vein as John Wick, just significantly less well done. Yeah. Also very much in the same vein of or having a character who uh, is, like, taken to a group, or maybe I would say, like, a league of assassins that train him using really brutal methods and then teach him to be a killer. And then he turns against them. It's very, um, Batman begins as well. It's also ironically very John wick. Like that's his whole thing. So (laughs) that's his whole thing too. So, so anyway, um, do we feel like John wick is like having seen John wick four? do we feel pretty confident? Cause I do that bending bullets is not that far away from a thing they might do in those movies. 
Because I feel like I feel like we are. I would say if we got three more John Wick movies, there is a hundred percent a scene where he's swinging a gun around and it kind of goes not all the way around, but just like a little bit around a thing. I don't think so. <laughs> I think definitely not at all. <laughs> I think a hundred percent. They like start to talk about like you're maybe bending the bullet with your mind as you shoot it. But then they reveal through the action that actually happens that you bend a bullet by swinging your arm around as you shoot it. And it's like, uh, guys, did you take like middle school physics? (laughs) Don't you remember the demonstration of the teacher spinning something and asking, is this going to curve when I let it go? And everyone's like, oh, it probably will curve. And then you let it go and it goes straight. No, this because that's that's how like momentum. works. That's because this movie has the energy of like a little kid who thinks, hey, if the elevator does fall, I'll just jump at the end and I'll be okay. (laughs) I'll be fine. Yeah, Lincoln, I don't think this movie um, was made with the, the kind of care and attention to physics that you have. <laughs> no, it, it was not. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. <laughs> Which actually, there is a Mythbusters episode where they actually explore, can you bend a bullet, believe it or not? Can you? No. What do they find? It's a, very, it's a short episode. They walk on screen <laughs> and they go, of course not, you dumb idiot for clicking on this video. Well, and then so, they walk so on screen. They do with like human swinging it. And obviously that doesn't do it. So they build a, it's either a pneumatic or hydraulic robot to swing the gun to like and that and that doesn't see do how either. fast you would have yeah no it doesn't work and uh, then they got a bunch of a bunch of monkeys to swing it there, there's no <laughs> speed that you could throw it that would bend it right exactly yeah that was that was their finding so the next thing that happens um is we we get face-offs between wesley yes. and cross who's the antagonist but not the villain of the movie which sort of all coalesces around the fact that Cross is actually Wesley's dad. Which I'm not going to lie. Can you believe that they pulled a, you killed my father, no, I am your father? It, they pulled exactly that. It works so scene. hard on me, though. Like, I... I it did get me, I though. got fooled. One of the things that, like, really works is, like, the shot where Wesley's, like, slipping. He adjusts his grip and then pulls the gun with the other hand. Like, it's... it's I don't know. I feel like that's it's such a good moment. Also, that, the... um the train sequence of them like on the train and then the car smashing into the side and then trying to help and everything. You mean dead reckoning? It was very much. Yeah. I was about to say, it's like watching a mission impossible movie with none of the like planning montage, just like straight into the action. So you're like, Oh, I hope they made a plan off screen. I mean, except it's not like watching a mission impossible movie. It's like watching that mission impossible movie, right? Like like watching dead reckoning. Yeah. It's that scene. This scene, the train scene, does have, like I said, my favorite thing that happens in this movie, which is a bullet stopping another bullet in midair. It has like it, ha- it happens like four it times. Happens in a row. so much around people. Yeah, it's so much. good. There's bending bullets. Well, I like the, the that you realize that the reason that happens is because they're father and son, and so their abilities like perfectly cancel each other out. Yeah, I noticed, <laughs> sort of knowing that this is coming. Like every time that Wesley fires, crossfires later. Every single oh, that's time. Cool. Wesley always shoots first. Interesting. That's very cool. Because yeah. dad wouldn't try to kill his little boy. Right. And I think, like, yeah. the dialogue and, like, some of that could have been, like, a little bit better in some of those moments. But overall, it's surprisingly well executed, with the exception of um, Fox just sort of standing there and just sort of gives a, um, a very stoic, mm-hmm. And then <laughs> yeah, says, I couldn't even up, tell where up. she was. Like, was she supposed to be like within view? Like, it never showed an establishing shot of them like 
seeing each other. Like I couldn't tell that they knew where the other, each person knew where the other person was. That had the energy to me of some, like a test audience being like, what, what is, does he know? Like what's happening? And so they just shot her being like, yeah, yes. Yes. You are right. You got me. He was your father. You done got me. (laughs) Well, it could have been more impactful too with her trying to get to cross before he can talk to Wesley and explain it. Oh, they do talk about, they like have these flashbacks of his father trying to get across to Wesley and tell him about this terrible thing, like try to separate him. Why, why did he not just like call him on the phone? (laughs) Be like, Hey man, Hey bud, I'm your dad. Actually. You know, that's true. Well, and and at the end there's the, the reveal of his house that his dad literally lived like right across the train tracks, like window to window. Like this man is a master assassin. I really think he could have found the time to just like visit this man's house. He could have walked across the train tracks and just knocked on his window and said, Hey, what's up? (laughs) Yeah. Or send like an email with some JPEG attachments probably could have done it. Like there's a lot of ways to get this message across and very few of them involve guns and bullets. Why mm. is this movie called Wanted? That just hit me. There's n- Oh, I do know okay. why. I think it was something that you do have to like read it a little bit. Like you have to read into it a little more. I think they could have made it more oh, clear. Oh, sorry, Professor but Lincoln's back on. Okay. Well, it reminds me of the Apollo program. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was I think it was that he he his desire was that he he needed to be wanted by people. Like he he needed to fit in. He wanted to be wanted. And so now it, it means like double meaning, like he is wanted. He wants to be wanted in like the personal sense, but all he gets is wanted in the like criminal. We're going after you sense. I no. don't No, I, I, I don't disagree with that. 100, I, 100%. I don't think that's true, but I do like the idea that he like wants to be wanted legally and emotionally. <laughs> that's what I'm, I think they could have done more to make that title mean something, but I think that's what it like. That's what, it seems like you could read the title. Okay. I don't think they put that much thought into it. There's like two <laughs> shots where he's like looking at like a newspaper stand after he turns around from the ATM and it says uh-huh. wanted and it like talks about the rooftop shooting. <laughs> and then he looks up and then Fox is sitting there with her sunglasses on. They just sort of had to throw the name on there. <laughs> I think it's because it's based on the comic book Wanted by Mark Millar, I think is what that is. Ooh, that's... Interesting. I don't know. I think I like my idea. Okay, yeah, your idea is good. Emotionally wanted. Wouldn't it be like wouldn't it be called like needed or like appreciated? No, because wanted has the double wanted has a double meaning. Oh. Except one of them actually both of them kinda don't make sense. Yeah, I think the movie should have leaned into that more. I feel like the movie his quest for like purpose in life is really is really muddy. It's very muddled by the actual content of the movie. I mean the movie kind of shoots itself in the foot in that regard because if you are like need a, a quest for, you know, stuff, hope, a life, and then somebody comes to you and they're like, You're the coolest guy ever, then you kind of, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> the Lego movie? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's the Lego movie, but more guns. But I even feel like the Lego movie it does a better job of of actually following through on that. I agree. Because the Lego movie doesn't have him be the coolest guy that everybody wants to know. Yeah, yeah. Like imagine if the Lego movie they send him back to the to the Lego world and they go, Whoa, actually we were wrong. The special was about a specific person and it was you. Yeah, sorry, we we messed that one up. It's been you the whole time. And it's not that revenge itself is something that you should try to get get through. It's that you just weren't revenging for the right reasons. Yeah. Do a revenge, but do a revenge when you know who your dad is. <laughs> yeah. Like like imagine if John Wick killed all of the all of the uh mobsters that killed his dog and then he realizes that he killed the wrong people. 
And for a second, he's really mourning about, about all the innocent lives he killed. And then he just goes, well, now I just got to kill the people who really did kill my dad. Can I add one? And then the movie just continues on. He's, he's going around and he's killing all these mobsters. And then he kills one lady and she's like, actually shoot. I was your wife. Turns out. I was a dog. I I was was your your dog dog. and wife. Somehow (laughs) I was your dog wife. I was your dog wife, Belinda. And then then he goes, Oh no, my quest for revenge has killed the very thing I was trying to, to bring justice to my dog wife. And then he goes, well, now I need to kill the, the, the right people. Yeah. That all seems a little convoluted. You're right. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't agree more. Actually. You're right. It would be very convoluted if a movie decided to do something like that. <laughs> so the next thing that happens um, is Wesley is rescued <laughs> by one of his dad's friends. I don't know. He helps him yeah. get to his dad. It's a whole thing. The Alfred um, to his dad's Batman. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. Well, yeah. And he discovers the Batcave later, too. He does. Well, it was, it's more of a Harry Osborn discovering the attic that has the... I, I wrote that exactly. I, I wrote, he finds his dad's workshop just like Harry Osborn in Spider-Man 2. I do <laughs> like how the, uh, the Alfred to this man's Batman says, your dad thought sacrificing his life was worth it to, to save you. It's like, uh, this man, he didn't sacrifice his life. You just straight up killed right. him. Wouldn't you like have him hold him by like on the train scene, right? There's, there would be so many times where like you're holding him up and you you would be like, stop, 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 stop. I'm your dad. Hold on. I'm your dad. I'm your dad. I'm your dad. Stop, stop. Wait, <laughs> I'm your dad. Yeah, he really has nothing to lose at that Literally point. Literally nothing. He'd be like, I'm your dad and I can prove it. Or the thing, the train lands and he's like standing over him with a gun and he'd be like, wait, hold on. I'm actually your dad. Turns out. Uh, so then we go into the the final battle where Wesley puts it all together. Where he gets a whole bunch of rats with and kills a bunch some of peanut rats. butter and some explosives and watches. I do not like needless animal cruelty in movies. I don't like that he killed all those rats. That really made me. Feel it was weird. it was kind of strange. I also don't like that he kills all those people. Like I have a lot of questions about that. <laughs> no, they all pulled guns on him. I'm so they yeah. were all killers. fully aware that they all pulled guns on him. I just I feel like okay. I feel like this whole movie. I have two thoughts. First thought, way too much peanut butter, right? That's too much peanut butter. He got way too, way, way too much peanut butter. Yeah, you could you could just use like a little dollop like, for each little trap that you get. Get one. Get one thing of peanut butter <laughs> and spread it along your little get maybe ramp. Maybe two. Get two. Get maybe two. Just one Costco collection of peanut butter. Anyway, <laughs> my second thought is like this whole movie, he's building a repoir- repertoire with these guys and he's like, like the... The weird meat guy, you think they might kind of be friends. Like the whole movie I feel like is setting me up to be like, they're kind of kind of bros with this guy. And then he walks in there. Well it's, it's becoming like a motley crew. Yeah. It's like Yeah, a, it would be each one has their own little weird. It quirk. would be like at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy or the Dungeons and Dragons movie, because they're the same exact <laughs> plot. It would be like at the end of those <laughs> movies, if our main, you know, spunky little main guy walks in and shoots literally everyone with a gun. <laughs> But they were evil. I guess they were, they were evil. They were shooting him first. I know they were shooting him first. Well, he did explode them first. That's true. Yeah. They probably might not have if he walked in and he was like, so I found my dad. Peace. Dip. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out, nerds. <laughs> the rat thing didn't have to be there. Because he's, he's sort of, like, I think the whole thing with all the peanut butter is, like, the rats have to eat the explosive as well. And so the peanut butter... I thought, no, I thought the explosive was just tied to the, it's tied to the watch. Well, no, no, no. That's the I detonator. Thought. And the timer. Oh. Do they and I think, eat the explosive? Yeah. Okay. That's terrible. Because not all the rats have terrible. the detonators. So I think the idea is that one detonator rat sets off all the other explosive rats around it. 
Oh, well, that's, that's really so sad. Mean. That's a sad story you told well, us, Preston. Why, Preston, why would you do that to rats? It's <laughs> yeah, no, Preston, it's why so would you dumb do because that? in the 30 seconds we see from him opening the door, in 30 seconds there are rats all over this compound in the loom, loom of fate room. Like they're just everywhere. Yeah, he, the rats are extremely well-trained. Well trained. Also, they are like totally cool with this whole greater good thing. They're like on board with nobly sacrificing their oh, lives as, yeah. as suicide bombers. Yeah, well, their first thing isn't to run away and hide. It's, hey, we're going to swarm this compound because this dude just fed us a bunch of peanut butter and is now letting us out of a garbage truck. This- hey, you you didn't know this, but off screen he told them that there was more peanut butter inside the compound. Yeah. Oh, He's like, oh, check it. Oh, but you, oh, you got to Take my it. word for it. Was that a deleted scene you gotta where find he was it, though. sneaking gotta around check every the little compound crevice. putting peanut butter everywhere? Yeah. No, no, no. He's just he just told them that there was. Oh, he lied. He's a liar. It's also it's also a deleted scene where he reads his big cool religion book of rules about how they should totally explode themselves because it's good and God loves it. (laughs) The loom the loom told him (laughs) right yeah to kill a bunch of rats. It just the loom just said rat 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 (laughs) right over again. (laughs) I I guess need to kill a thousand rats. <laughs> so the next I thing love, that happens. <laughs> hold on, don't say, don't move fast. I love the idea that the loom people are like, "Holy shit, holy shit!" Like as it's rolling through, they're like, "This can't be right." And then they see the rats like crawl into the room. <laughs> so then we get what is a uh, the second glass breaking scene or shot of the movie. Second and um, arguably worse. Oh, much worse. Yeah, yeah, no, for no, sure no, worse. Definitely worse. And then we get what's a pretty cool hallway scene, kind of running through the looms and the loom up that and the, the hallway and... of infinite length. Oh, we didn't. Um, there's there's a shot of before the attack happens, like right before of Morgan Freeman really solemnly doing a cat's cradle in his hands. <laughs> oh, I missed it. Do you remember that? No, I remember it now. He's just sitting there looking at the window and the camera like pans down on his hands and he's like doing the cat's cradle. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I just know that if they had kept the shot going, he would have turned to the guy next to him and go, put your hand. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, you are not going to believe what I just figured out. So then we get the final face off is with all of the, the remaining assassins, all of the, the people that we've met by name, kind of, um, Sloane's there, Fox is there, and it's where Sloane does the big reveal that everybody's name in the room had come up. Which, like, totally makes sense, right? Like, you can't just be training an unending pool of assassins and just expect them to continue living in the world forever. Right, yeah. Especially, like, super assassins. I think it's such an interesting example of, like, how narrative weight gives you assumptions about a story. Because, like, when we watch that, we know that because this is, like, this final confrontation, we kind of know that that... Uh, Morgan Freeman is telling the truth. Like we just, we know that from watching movies that in the final confrontation is when it's all laid out on the table and you can finally know who to trust and who's speaking the truth and who's not. But like, according to the characters in the movie, they're really just taking him at his word. They don't know that they're in the, the third act of this story. Like they don't know that this is the stage of the story where everything gets revealed. They're just like, Oh, well, I guess he wasn't lying about all our names coming actually up. to the point. He was telling the truth about to the that. point that he like, he, he gives Fox hers and she's like, your name came up. And then he gives some other guy, your name came up. And then like a third guy, your name came up. And by then he goes around the room and just like sort of 
throws papers on the ground. Like, I assume he had those three, and then the rest of them were blank papers that he was like, yours too, Derek, also. Uh, uh, John, Jimmy, uh, oh, Jason. Yeah, yeah, your name came up too. What's your name, Frank? Oh, okay, you actually, you're fine, you're chill. Yeah, Frank's cool. You're fine. Get out of here. Right. <laughs> get out. You're not even. You're not even an assassin. Yeah, get out of here. Go get yourself you're a sandwich. You're here to ask me about oh, the janitor's. You're asking me about awesome. the shipment of linen. <laughs> you're our DoorDash guy. You can. You can leave. You're good. <laughs> oh, you're you're an actual weaver. You were here to just ask me about the supply of 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 thread that was coming. Yeah. In. Oh, you're you're good. You're Go. applying for a real job. Okay. Um. Let's see how give this us, goes. You know what? I'll get back give to you on that. Second. We're gonna we're gonna handle this little internal issue real quick, and then we'll chat. I'm going to let you know if we have a business by the end of this. You know, and then, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your resume. I'll take a look at it. Yeah. A lot of promising things here. Thank you. Well, great, because we just had a whole bunch of openings. <laughs> this is cool. You're actually overqualified for this job. <laughs> okay, anyways, anyways. Yeah. So she shoots everyone. Yep. Which, oh. how hard do you have to whip a gun to go like a full circle? <laughs> I have no idea. That, yeah, it's a very tight It's not circle. a big circle. It's not like a it's stadium. A, it's a like room. The, the, <laughs> the amount of velocity that the bullet has to have to continue. Anyways, and that's uh, that's Wanted. That's, that's Wanted. a quality movie. It's fine. Quality movie. Of the movies we've watched. Give it a, I, how much does it use it? Oh, yeah. It uses, the, it uses the hell out of it. So, John, tell us about what we're watching next. Okay. So, um, we have, uh, we've not- I've noticed a trend. We have watched quite a few adaptations of comic books slash franchise pieces. That's what I'm going to say. We've watched a lot of those. Okay. So I'm going to shake it up a little bit. We've also watched a lot of just like big man shoot a big gun. So. (laughs) Yeah, we have. The movie we will be watching is Vin Diesel's The Pacifier. And I'm fully aware that we've seen a Vin Diesel movie already. We are watching The Pacifier. Um, your homework is, I, I couldn't think of a lot here, um, but I want you guys by the end of the movie to tell me who in this movie is a Nazi. Cause there's, I think <laughs> one pretty obvious answer, but but I want, I want, I want some, I got some questions, so. Okay, so we're going to really dig deep into this. Who is Keep a Nazi an eye out. the movie The Pacifier? Who's a Nazi? And I want you guys to choose someone that you don't think the other is going to choose. Oh, I, okay. Preston, let's, let's like put this in a, in a more like strict context. Let's say if we both choose different people, we win. <laughs> and if we both choose the same people, we if, lose. No, no, no. If you both choose the same people, I win. No, your job is to predict who each of us is going to say. That's even better. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to say who I think you're both going to say. And, and you guys are, if you get the same person, you lose. I win. This is good. Enjoy the pacifier. I, I think I like it's this. on Disney plus. I like this. Great. Thank you guys for listening to Twinkie talk presented by the evening brothers. Uh, I have been brother John. Use it. I have been <laughs> brother Lincoln. What did you do today? <laughs> I've been brother pressed. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs> Woo! <laughs>